0: guys have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews 2, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 18. Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. Um, So I have brothers. I have an older brother, Ian, and I have a younger brother, Ryan. Uh, Sarah married my younger brother, Ryan. Uh, He's pretty cool, I guess. Um, Yeah, they're great. Uh, But I grew up in a town called Sholo, small town, and it's always funny because when I take our students up there and when they drive through it, they're looking at this small town in the middle of the woods and they're thinking, Trevor, what did you do here? And I'm looking at them like, are you crazy? I look in different directions and I see millions of possibilities, right? I see the woods, I see a creek, I see crawdads, I see tree forts. Tons of stuff, right? And that's what we did growing up. We, we did tons of fun stuff like that. And there was a particular instance where... Um, where we built a tree fort. Now, the great thing about having older siblings, how many of you guys have older siblings at all? Okay. Older siblings are great because they pave the way. Your parents can mess up on them all the time, and then they kind of figure it out with you later, right? They're kind of like the trailblazers, right? They trailblaze. So, built a tree fort. Uh, my older brother Ian and I and his friend Josh came over, and we're playing at this tree fort. My older brother Ian says, all right, I'm going to lead the way up this tree, So my older brother starts up the tree. I'm right behind him, and then Josh right behind me. So we're meandering our way up this tree. I'm watching every move my brother makes. He's putting his hand on this branch, this branch, putting his foot on this branch, just making his way up, and I'm following his lead. And then he gets to the very top, and in my mind, I'm thinking this is like 90 feet off the ground. It was probably really like only 20 feet or something like that. And um, it's about 20 feet off the ground, my brother puts his foot up on a branch and just branch snaps, and have you ever, like, seen something happen in slow motion in real time? That's what this happened in my, in my mind, this is like my childhood memory, it's like my brother's falling backwards, (laughs) falling backwards, I grab the tree, I put my head down, I don't care about him, Uh, he grabs his friend Josh by the shoulder, pulls him off the tree, and they're going through through these branches, just smack and hit the ground. And I look down, like, man, that's got to hurt, right? And then I look up, I'm like, but I still want to get to the top of this tree. So now I know what not to do and what branch not to step on, so I proceeded to climb to the top of the tree, and then I came down and checked on my brother and Josh, and they were okay, I guess, but, but hey, so... My older brother was a trailblazer, and in a similar way in our passage this morning, we're going to see that Jesus, in a way, is like our big brother who has trailblazed the way for those of us who have believed in him. So, uh, message title is, oh, Captain, my captain, I will not be uh, quoting Walt Walt Whitman at all, but we'll be talking about that. So let's read this together, all right? So, Verse 10, chapter 2, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source, they have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Uh, Highlight that, high priest. That's going to be a very important term throughout the book of Hebrews, high priest. In the service of God to make propitiation, we'll talk about that word later, for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So that's our passage this morning. So we have a lot to cover, so let's get right into it. So turn your uh, attention to your passage. We're looking at verse 10. It says, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. So the writer's introducing someone. It's God the Father. So he's saying right here, so God is the creator. He's in charge of all things, and he's the creator of all things. All things exist because of him, meaning God's the boss. God the Father's the boss. He can do what he wants. Would we agree with that? Amen. Yes, he's the boss. Let him do what he needs to do. So he's the boss. What's he done? It says he's brought many sons, you can say daughters too. He's brought many sons and daughters to glory. Now when we hear the words glory, some of us can think, okay, I believed in Jesus. I went from hell status to heaven status, okay? That's part of the glory he's talking about. But an even greater meaning of leading many sons and daughters to glory is this. And we've been talking about this the past couple weeks. Mankind always, God's creation has intended, has been intended by God to rule and reign over his creation. He's, see this in the garden, right? He asked Adam and Eve, he's like, rule and reign over this. I've made it for you, enjoy it, be fruitful and multiply. That was God's intention and now sins happen and we're trying to make our way back to the garden. That's where it's all going back towards, is that restoration of that, and so he's wanting us to share in that glory. That's his desire, God the Father. And then he says this, God the Father should make the founder of their salvation. Now, who do you think that is? Jesus, right? The founder of their salvation, perfect through suffering. Now, here's where this word uh, captain comes in. Oh, captain, my captain, you might be wondering, okay? So some of your translations, some of your Bibles say uh, author. Some of, you, uh, some of them say... Um, Some of them say founder. I like, here's a great word that we're going to substitute today that means the exact same thing. I want you to think of the words this morning, captain and trailblazer, okay? Captain and trailblazer, meaning one who goes ahead of you on a trail, okay? They lead the way. So the captain and trailblazer of our salvation is Jesus, is Jesus. So just like my older brother led the way up the tree, showed me what not to do, okay? Jesus has paved the way for us. Just like a captain leads his soldiers into battle, directs his troops from the front, he's our captain. Uh, this is why Jesus says in John fourteen six. you guys remember what he says? He says, I am what? The way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I am the door, right? Enter in. So then we get to this part where it says Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Now, if we're not careful with that, what does that make Jesus sound like? Jesus had to be made perfect. What does that sound like? He wasn't perfect. We would call that heresy, right? That's not true. That's not what the author's saying. Here's where I like where this word captain comes in. I like this, this meaning of it. Another word for perfect could be to accomplish or complete through suffering. So think about it this way. So Jesus, our captain, was given a mission by God the Father. Jesus fulfilled, completed, accomplished that mission through suffering. Make sense? This is what he's saying, okay? And because of that, it's happened. And we're going to talk more about the mission, what that was exactly. So let's look at verse 11 now. Says, for he who sanctifies, now he's talking about Jesus, for he who sanctifies the one who's been, who set you apart, and those who are sanctified, the believers, all have one source. They all have one common origin. I'm going to ask you this morning, what do you have in common with Jesus? Now, before you say nothing, think about that answer very carefully. What do you have in common with Jesus? Okay? So we have, we've talked about this also the past couple of weeks. We have Jesus who is fully God, 100% God, right? But also we have Jesus what? Fully man, 100% man. He wasn't 50% God, wasn't 50% human to make up 100%. No, he was 100% God, and then he was also God in flesh. Fully human, fully, fully human, fully God. So he's saying this Jesus... They all have one source. You have one thing in common. That is your humanity. We share in the humanity. And then the author says this, which is pretty crazy. That is why he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them humanity, brothers, sisters. So you might be wondering, well, Trevor, where would you get that idea of Jesus being like our big brother? Well, we get it kind of from this idea. Jesus associates himself with us as, as humans and says, you are my brothers and sisters. Now, for those of you who raised your hands who have the older siblings, you might have a hard time with that. Because maybe your older sibling kind of made life a little difficult for you. Right? You're like, Jesus, my big brother. And you just kind of shudder a little bit. Like, oh Crazy memories, right? Well, hold on. Okay? This says that Jesus doesn't just mind becoming a human. In fact, what's the opposite of not ashamed? proud he's proud to be associated with us mankind and on top of that he claims us as his own so in other words jesus is not like your big brother or your older sibling who doesn't want you to be around so again i have older brother my older brother ian i'm hanging out with his friends i'm being with them eventually i hang out with my brother and his friends all the time and eventually my brother says Hey, can we hang out more? I want to be with you more, Trevor. Do you think that, that's what he's telling me? No. He's like, go find your own friends, right? And then I have a younger brother, Ryan. And he's hanging out with my friends. And I'm like, go find your own friends, right? Like, he's not that, that's not what he's talking about here. He's, in a sense, the older brother who loves that you're following him. He knows you're following his every footstep. And he loves it. And on top of that, He claims you as his own and says, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's the picture the author of Hebrews is giving us that Jesus was fully God, became fully man. He became one of us. Just like James was singing about, you guys were singing this morning, Emmanuel, God with us. So the writer wants to knock this home that he's fully God, fully man. And he brings up these passages from the Old Testament, verses 12 through 13. So as I'm giving these uh, verses, I want you to picture this. Jesus, fully God, fully man, I want you to picture him here on earth saying these things to God the Father, and it'll make sense. So here's what he says, verse 12. He says, I will tell, Jesus, I will tell of your name, God the Father, to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. In other words, Jesus is saying through these Old Testament passages, this analogy that he's taking the lead. He's saying, okay, guys, here's how I'm going, to, I'm going to sing the name of the Father. You follow my lead. You do what I'm doing. Can you guys think of a time the disciples followed Jesus' lead, other than a couple million times, right? Do you guys remember the disciples asked, Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus wasn't the annoyed older brother who's like, figure it out yourself. No, he says, all right, I'll teach you to pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us, right? So he does this. And then verse 13 says, and again, I, Jesus, will put my trust in him, speaking to his Father, God the Father, and again, behold, I and the children God has given me, associating himself with us. Can you guys think of a time Jesus put his trust in God the Father. So one of the most powerful instances that I can think of that comes to my memory is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? So before he goes to the cross, he knows what's going to take place. He knows what's, what's happening. He's praying in the garden. He's sweating drops of blood. And he says, Father, if it's at all possible, please let this cup pass from me. In other other words, if there's another way for this to happen, please let that happen. But then he says this. Then he says this. Yet, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus, in the midst of this painful, excruciating pain, this, this circumstance, he is choosing to put his trust in God the Father. And so we're to follow our captain our trailblazers lead. So then 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Again, Jesus becoming a man. So he suffered and he's died. So what happens because of Jesus becoming a man and suffering and dying on the cross? So let's look at this. Here's where we get to the good stuff, right? You guys with me? With me? All right, let's go. Let's get into it. All right. So because of his suffering and death, let's look at 14, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus destroyed the power of death. He destroyed the power of hell. And for those of us who have believed in him, we do not need to fear those things anymore. Now, death can be this isn't just back in the ancient Near East. This is us now. Death, still to this day, is probably, for some people, the scariest thing. Because it's it's final, it's sudden, and it's the unknown. What's on the other side? What's waiting for me? Like, I just experienced this about a week and a half ago. My Uncle Steve, we just got a call. Gone. Sudden. Quick. It's tough. And we just did the memorial service, and leaves behind some, some children. And it's, it's a hard time right now, even for me as a believer, right? This is, this is the fear of death. But here's the thing. If we're following Jesus, our captain, our trailblazer, he's crossed that barrier for us. He's done it. That's why he says in John 11:25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he promises you will die. Though he die, yet will you live. Now, I could go down to Goodyear Park right here on the corner. Could I tell anyone, could I tell people on the corner and just be like, I'm the resurrection and the life. Could I say that to people? Yeah, you'd think I'm crazy. You'd think I'm nuts for doing that. But anyone can say anything they want, right? Like I just read a, a church leader's article talking about nine people who claim themselves as the Messiah right now, and they're crazy. Because they're saying all these things, but they're not backing it up. The beauty of Jesus is, he isn't just some guy who came along like people saying, just taught all these amazing things, made all these outrageous claims, said, I'm the resurrection and life, and then died. That's the beauty of the resurrection because he proved it. He did it. That's why I love. So in Christ alone, one of the great hymns of our faith says this. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, devil, no scheme of man, that includes myself and others, can ever pluck me from his hand. I'm secure. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I stand. He set us free from fear and death. But here's the thing. We're going to see verse 16. Check this out. Look at this. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. So we've learned so far that Jesus is our trailblazer. He's our captain. He's the one who... He's done all these things, but here's the deal, guys. Don't miss this. He helps us. He comes to our aid. We're the offspring of Abraham. We're the extension of those promises given to Abraham. There's the promises to the Jewish people, but we're the extension of that through Jesus. And he comes to help us. So, let's look at this. 17 and 18. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I had a, I had a, a revelation doing this. Now I don't mean like a crazy revelation, like I went up to the third, third heaven or anything like that. Don't, don't mishear me, okay? But I had this revelation thinking about this concept of trailblazer or captain. So, when if you've walked a trail with someone, um, if you've walked a trail with someone, and I've done this many times, there's someone who's the trailblazer who's leading the group. I have been on many hikes. I have been on many excursions where the person who's supposed to be leading us is more like the trail runner. And so they run ahead. They're blazing the trail but they're like 500 yards ahead of me and the group. And by the time we get to the inevitable crossing the road, the why in the road, I'm like, well, that's great you're helping me and you're the trailblazer, but you're not here right now. So when he says, when he says he's the founder of our salvation, the trailblazer, the captain, here's what I want you to think. He's not the trailblazer who we never see, who's left us, hoping we figure out the right way. He's not the captain who receives orders and tells his men, hey, you guys go out and um, accomplish the mission. I'm going to stay back here and make sure you do the job right. No. He's our trailblazer. He says this, I blazed the trail. I cleared it, I chopped it, I paved the way, I know every turn, I know every bend because I walked it. As the captain, I went ahead and I fought the battle. And oh, by the way, I won. I won. I claimed victory. And it's like Jesus has done all of this, he's gone ahead, he's done all the work, and now he's coming back, he's coming back to us. And now what he's telling us right now as believers, okay, follow me, come on, come on, follow me. We're going to go. We're gonna do through, through this together, okay, we're going to go down the tra- path together. I know the way, come on, follow me. That's what I mean by trailblazer. That's what he means by founder of our salvation. He comes back to us and he says, through his Holy Spirit, right, it's like, come on, leads and guides us, walking by the Spirit. That's why I love it. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd because he comes back for the sheep. By the way, if you want to disprove evolution to anyone, how are sheep still alive? Right? Like, crazy to me. For survival of the fittest, you got to be joking me, right? Um, Anyways, we're called sheep, right? We get lost. We go our own way. But he's our good shepherd, who leads us beside still waters. Picture yourself walking down that path beside still waters. And then he also leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. These believers in Hebrews right now, they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. They're in that right now. we can trust him because he's our high priest who loves us and that word propitiation that's a fancy way of saying Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God we had sin everyone has sin that needs to be punished God can't just turn a blind eye to sin there has to be justice that's where Jesus steps in and he says I will take the punishment and that punishment was placed upon Jesus and he satisfied that wrath of God that sin has been paid for So church, we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear the devil, suffering, or persecution because he faced it all himself, he beat it, and he promises that to us as well if we've believed in him. But listen, this is why the writer's writing these guys, and he's saying that to us this morning. We as believers, we still have a choice. Are we going to follow our captain? Are we going to follow our trailblazer? the one who's gone ahead of us. And some of us, it's very tempting to say, okay, I've believed in Jesus. My salvation's secure. Just like these guys, their salvation is secure. They've believed in Jesus. But oftentimes, just like sheep, we have a tendency to say, okay, I'm, thank you, but I'll take it from here. I'm going to go down my own path, right? My way looks pretty good. My way looks pretty straight. My way looks pretty awesome, but your way, uh, I don't know about that. My tendency is when I blaze my own trail, bad things, bad things happen. That's my experience. I don't know if that's your same experience, but that's my experience when I blaze my own trail. Let's think about these Jewish Christians that are being written to you these Jewish Christians are going through much suffering and they're wondering right now, should we keep following Jesus? Because right now they might be thinking, this is too hard. I did not sign up for this. And I know Jesus is God the creator. I know he's heir of all things. He's seated at the right hand of the father. I've heard now that he's greater than angels. And now this writer is telling me not to drift and give up on following Jesus. But that's easy for Jesus to say. Easy for him to say because he's got all these awesome things. He's been given all this honor and glory. Does he really know how bad it is for me right now? Does he really know the persecution I'm going through right now? Does he know that Emperor Nero right now, and this is, this is documented, I'm not making this up. That Emperor Nero right now is impaling some of my friends who are believers, dipping them in oil, lighting them on fire to light his garden parties at night? That doesn't sound fun to me. Does he really know? And the writer's telling them, yes. He knows because he's been through it himself. Jesus has suffered as one of you so that you could have life. Some of you here this morning, you're suffering. Some of you here this morning, you're walking through the valley of the shadow. And you might be wondering the same thing this morning. I don't know where you're at, but you might be wondering, is it worth it? Because this is hard following Jesus right now. Does Jesus know and... I'm here to tell you this morning, according to the Word of God, He knows. He knows the suffering. And He suffered so that you could be with Him and be His forever. Just like Jesus, our captain, just like Jesus, our trailblazer, here's what the Lord promises through the book of Hebrews. When we as believers suffer and endure, we receive reward. Our pain and our suffering as believers is not in vain. I've grown the most in my life with the Lord when I've suffered. There's been a lot of things accomplished through that, and it's not fun. But just like Jesus was giving a position of honor, seated at the right hand of the Father, just like Jesus received his inheritance of the kingdom, when we as believers run our race well, we will receive reward as well. This is, my, this is my life verse, guys. This is why my feet hit the ground every morning and I choose to get out of bed is because I hope every one of you have heard the words from someone that you love and know and respect. I hope every one of you have heard the words, I'm so proud of you. Man, when my dad tells me or when men that I look up to tell me, I'm proud of you, I feel like I could run through a brick wall after that. Like I feel great. The Bible teaches that believers at the Bema seat are going to stand before Jesus, believers alone, stand before Jesus, and they're going to give an account for their life. And we as believers have the opportunity for the author of our salvation, the captain, the trailblazer of our salvation, to look at us eye to eye, like I'm looking at you right now, and for Jesus to say these words to you, I'm proud of you well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. That's why I get up every morning because that could happen today, that could happen tomorrow. I'm hoping the rapture takes place soon so we can just get out of here and kickstart this whole thing, right? Get out of here, right? But I want to hear those words. That's what the writer of Hebrews wanted. And on top of that, Jesus knows what we've been through He hasn't abandoned us he's with us he says this in John 14 he says I will not leave you as orphans and what I picture is I will not leave you as little defenseless kids being dropped off at the beginning of a dark scary path where you don't know where you're going I'm not going to leave you as orphans he says he makes this promise he says I will come to you I will come to you and we're going to go down this path together that's his promise for us this morning. I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Um, there is a band. There was a band called Petra. But uh, there's a great song that they wrote. It's called He's Been in My Shoes. And this song just really sums this up. And I, it's one of my favorite songs. But here's, here are the lyrics. Here in my hour of need, I'm lonely. Forsaken again. I'm wounded and left here to bleed with no solace from a stranger or a friend. Who hears my cry to revive and restore one who has been here before? He's been in my shoes. He's been down this road before. He's been tested too. He's been through this door. He feels the pain and he heals the bruise. He's been in my shoes. The union of God and a man is a mystery that I can't understand, but now with my suffering known, I'm reminded that I'm never alone. Who has been tried and been tempted this way? Jesus, who now hears me pray. My favorite part, he was a man just like me but he lived his life blamelessly. Now I'm beginning to see he holds my hand, he understands, he's been in my shoes. So Desert Springs, let's follow Jesus. Let's follow our trailblazer, and let's follow our captain and our king. Amen?